The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. We're looking at Colossians chapter 3. I want to read just a few verses with you here, beginning in verse 22 through 25. Servants, obey all things your masters according in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Preaching this morning on the subject, you serve the Lord Christ. You serve the Lord Christ. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for your goodness, and thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach here this morning, to be back home with the folks. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace, for your salvation, for your protection, your provision. But most of all, Lord, we thank you for your person, that thou art the Holy One of Israel, high and lifted up. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and our Comforter, the Holy Spirit. God, help us in these days ahead to be faithful, to serve God like we've never served him before in preparation for the perhaps the soon coming of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, when we're going to meet him. Lord, help us to continue to serve the Lord and to do what you called us and saved us to do, that we might be used of you to make a difference in this world and to, co to continue to work at the cause of Christ, the Great Commission, the salvation of souls, the discipling, and then, Lord, the edification of the saints, equipping them for the work of the ministry. So, Lord, bless you today. May your will be done in each of our hearts. May you work and move through the Holy Spirit and your word. May we be sensitive and may we respond as the Holy Spirit leads. And we'll thank you in Jesus' precious name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Someone has said, I quote, The opportunities we have to serve God today will never come again. There's a verse in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The idea of redeeming the time is buying up the opportunities when they arise. And every day, God gives up us opportunity to serve him. We have a particular service that God calls us to by gifting us. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. But every one of us, as a child of God, have been called to serve God. Our text here tells us that we serve the Lord Christ. Notice Paul didn't say the Lord Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus. He said the Lord Christ. That word Lord means master. We are his servants. He saved us to serve him. The word Christ simply means anointed one. It is the Greek uh, counterpart to the Old Testament Messiah. He is the Messiah. We are to be serving the Lord Christ, our master, our savior, our Lord, our God. And he saved us. What a privilege we have to be serving God the creator of the world, the one who made us. And he came down among, down among us, and he set an example for us and for us to follow. Mark 10, 45 says this, Jesus saying, The Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve 
and to give his life for many. If that's what he came down here to do, that's what he left us here to do, is to be serving him. And yet, in the average church, how many people are absolutely involved in serving the Lord Jesus Christ? He's gifted every one of us to do that. We all have a gift or gifts that's been delegated to us by the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he gives to every man severally as he wills. And he gave those gifts not to be sitting on them. He gave us those gifts to be serving him in the kingdom of God, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my friend, how serious is this? Well, I'll tell you how serious it is. One day we're going to have to stand at his judgment seat. And we're going to have to give an account of our service if we served or didn't serve. The opportunities that he opens and, and gives to us, do we take them or do we look for somebody else to take them? When he opens a door, do we just stand there like a new calf looking at it, wondering, or do we go through and take the opportunity? When I first got saved several years ago, back in 1969, and I, we finally got into a good Bible-believing fundamental Baptist church, and I began to grow, and my wife did too. She had been saved several years before I got saved, but she hadn't really grown in the Lord, hadn't been discipled, and neither had I been discipled. Uh, no one ever took the Bible and set me down with it and explained to me the gospel and explained what the Christian life was all about. I began to learn as I went to church. But, you know, I guess I was naive. I thought when God gave you an opportunity to do something, you did it. So whenever a door opened and an opportunity came, I did it. Not because I'm special, not because I'm somebody, but I believe that God wanted me to do it or I wouldn't have done it. I remember the first opportunity I got. And the pastor said, Bob, I want you to preach on Sunday night. I hadn't been saved very long, uh, probably a year, maybe a year and a half at the most. And he says, I think you need to preach on Sunday night. I thought, preach on Sunday night? You mean uh, get up in front of the church? in front of all these people and preach? Man, I don't know if I wanted to do that or not. I was scared. You know, that's a good thing. If you get up and think you can do it, you better sit down. Uh, there was a young guy that uh, was going to preach, and he was very confident in himself that he could do it. And so he gets in the pulpit, and he preached, and he preached a real flop. And when he got done, he went down off the pulpit with his tail between his legs. And there was an old fellow in the service that came up to him. He said, son, listen, if you had gone up the way you come down, you would have gone up, or come down the way you went up. Amen? You thought you could handle this, and the Lord just showed you something. Let me tell you something, folks. You can't do anything without him. Lord Jesus Christ made it absolutely clear, without me you can do nothing. But through him and with him through you, you can do things you never thought you could do. Our God delights in using his people, and he delights in just bamfoozling the lost to watch what people do, the people of God do. But it's not them. If you're trying to do it in the flesh, you're going to flop, and you're going to come to the end of yourself. But if you do it trusting God and, and yielding your body as you're supposed to, surrender and yield these members to him, and God uses you, it is amazing what God does. And you stand back and say, 
Thank you, Lord, for the privilege. Thank you for the privilege to be used of the Lord. Matthew 20, verse 26 to 27, Jesus said this. His disciples were always wrangling over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Who gets to sit beside him on the throne on either side? You remember James and John, the brothers, the sons of thunder? And they decided to jump ahead, and they got mom involved in it. So mom goes to the Lord and says, can my two sons sit on either side of your throne? He said to those boys, he said, listen, can you drink of the cup I'm going to drink of? Yes, Lord, we can. He said, well, you indeed will. But the set on either side of that throne is not mine to give. It's the Father's. Well, the other apostles, seeing that they jumped ahead and jumped the gun on them, got upset about it. They were always concerned about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus said this to them. He said, listen, the Gentiles rule over. They rule over and, and lord it over. But it shall not be so with you. He said, quote, but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. That's the same word for servant. Let him be your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. In God's eyes, the greatest is not those who lord it and set themselves up. It's those who surrender and yield and humble themselves and serve others and serve God. You know, we're created to serve. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Now, the first part of those two verses deal with salvation. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're here this morning and you never have personally repented of your sin, you say, what does that mean? The word repent simply means to change your mind about how you're living, about your sin. And having heard about Jesus and the fact that if you would repent of your sin and accept him as Savior, you decide, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to live in sin. I don't want to uh, live for self, and I certainly don't want to go to hell. Amen? And you change your mind, and you turn to Christ, and you ask him to come into your life. You receive him by faith. You ask him to forgive your sin. And by faith, you receive him into your life as your Savior. And you do it by simply calling on his name. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when you do that, you are now saved. You are now born again. You are now converted. You are now regenerated. All synonymous. Talking about that one act of having turned from your sin to Jesus. Receive him into your life and he saves you. And he recreates you. Look at that passage so you see it. Don't take my word for it. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2. Because I want you to see verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which I just quoted. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I could add Titus 3, 5 to that. Not by works of righteousness, which we have none, but according to his mercy. He has saved us. There are people out there this morning attending churches who are working, trying to work their way to heaven. They believe that they can do enough good things to outweigh the bad things they're doing that God will weigh it against the one against the other and let them into heaven. And I'm here to tell you, folks, that's not going to work. 
not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, you must be willing to repent of your sin, admit your sin, and acknowledge the fact you need the Lord Jesus Christ and call upon him and he will save you and give you eternal life. You're not going to work for it and earn it. You can't. We're all sinners. And the only one who could do it was Jesus, and he did it. He completed, he fulfilled the law in it completely. And it's not our righteousness that gets us into heaven. It's his righteousness imputed to you and to me. The word impute simply means when you got saved, your sin was erased. It was taken away, cleansed by the blood of Christ. Behind his back, in the depths of the sea, as far as the east is from the west, and he has forgotten them. Hebrews chapter 6, 6, 16 to 17, I believe it is. He's forgotten them. Amen? So why don't you? Quit bringing up your past and dwelling on and thinking about it. God forgave that, and he put it away, and it's gone. It's covered, and it will never be brought up. So he does that for us. He forgives us. He cleanses of all of our sin and saves you. So if that's never happened to you, friend, listen. I beg you. We're living in very grievous days. And the coming of Christ may be on the horizon, folks. It's time for God's people to start looking up for your redemption is drawing nigh. We don't know for sure. But I'm telling you, when you look around this world, not just our country, this world, what's going on? Christian, it's time for God's people to wake up. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For there's many that have not the knowledge of God. And he said, I speak this to your shame. We're to be here winning people to Christ, telling them about Jesus, giving them the gospel. And giving them the opportunity to be saved. And to go to heaven like we are. And thank him for it. Amen. But look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Look you were saved. When you accepted Christ. You were created anew in Righteousness and true holiness, Ephesians 4.24 tells us. And what God is doing through Christ is restoring what we lost in Adam. Christ is known as the second Adam. And whereas Adam sinned and lost it, Christ has not sinned, and he's helping us to recapture that once again. But notice he created us for good works. You've been created and called to serve the Lord. If he, or 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As every man has received the gift, so minister, serve the same one to another. God has given us something to serve with, to serve by, and to make our lives count for Christ, and to make a difference in this dark world we're living in. And it's not getting any lighter, folks. It's getting darker. And we're to shine as a light like we've never shined before. We have received those gifts. We have reason to serve one another with those gifts. 
For in doing so, we serve Christ when we serve one another. I'm reminded of Matthew 25, 34 to 40. Turn there with me, please. Back to Matthew 25. And listen to what he says at the judgment, at the judgment seat. In verse 34, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Do you get the import of that? When you're serving others, you are serving is the same as serving the Lord Jesus Christ and doing those things for him. You just heard it from his mouth. Those were the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, it's a reasonable thing to do, is it not? And that, that service that we're to be doing with one another and for one another is, is, should be motivated and governed by one thing. Galatians 5 and verse 13. By love serve one another. Jesus said, look, I give you a new commandment, a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And if you love one another like that, it will be obvious that you are my disciples because you're following my example and loving like I have loved you. So we are to love one another, folks. We're to be united together as God's people. We're to be serving one another, using the gifts that God has given to us at salvation and being faithful to serve him and to do what God has called us to do. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 7, the scripture says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit given to every man to profit with all. That's P-R-O-F-I-T. What does that mean, Steve? <laughs> Gain. Gain. He gave you something to work with for increase, to have more. Not us more, but him more. And in the process, we get more. So we are created and called to serve him. And my friend, every last born-again believer is included in this. Nobody is excluded, all right? We are to concentrate on service. Matthew 6, 24, the Lord Jesus made a statement. He said, listen, you cannot serve two masters. The two he gives, very interesting, God or mammon. Mammon is money. He said, you cannot serve both because you will love one and hate the other. You will hold the one and despise the other, but you cannot serve God and mammon, so you're going to have to make up your mind. What are you going to serve while you're here in this life? Who or what are you going to serve? And you've got to get off the fence one foot on one side and one foot on the other. It doesn't work. You either get on one side or the other. 
And that's exactly what Jesus is calling us to. You can't serve God and serve money. You've got to decide, am I going to give my life for Christ or am I going to give my life for what I want? And there are a lot of people trying to do both, and I'm here to tell you it's not going to work. Never has, it never will. You will usually let down on Christ and give more time and effort to what you really want and where your heart is really at. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. If it's on money and possessions and, and wealth and all of that, that's where your heart will be. It'll not be on him. And so he said, you cannot serve both. We need to make up our mind and have what Paul said in, in Colossians 3.22. Servants, obey all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart. Get focused. Folks, if there's ever a time God's people need to get focused, it's now. On what God left us here for. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. That wasn't given just to the apostles, folks. That was given to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ for every Christian to be involved in. We have a commission. We have a command. We have a mandate. And folks... We're running out of time. The clock keeps turning. And if you think what's happening is happenstance, I got news for you. It's not happenstance. It's not incidental. The devil is carrying out his plan. And it's in direct opposition to what Jesus is doing. But may I remind you of what you've got right back here the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Folks, we're on the winning side. We've already got the victory. Look at something with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Let's go back there quickly. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Look at that, 26. Ephesians 2 and verse 6, not 26. Well, let's look at verse 4 and 5 first. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened, made us alive, together with Christ, by grace are you saved. And listen to this verse, please. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Now most will look at that and say well that's what's coming. Listen to me. He's telling you it's as good as done. He has saved us. We are in Christ. Christ is in heaven at the right hand of God. We are going to be in heaven one day bodily. Amen. This is not wishful thinking. This is an absolute guarantee. It's as good as done. That's what he's telling you. But he's left us down here to work and serve in preparation when we bodily will ascend. And my friend, that's going to happen when he comes to get us. And you can mark it down. He's coming. Said he would. Came the first time, like he said. He'll be back. 
And you say, well, it's been so long. Will he ever get here? He'll get here just when the time is right and not a moment too soon. Just like the first time, the fullness of the time was come and God sent forth his son. And the second coming will be just like it when the fullness of the time is come. And he says, does he not? Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together like they're trying to get you to do today. You don't want to go there. You're going to get the virus, blah, 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 blah. And God said, listen, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much more as you see that day approaching. He's telling us you can see it. Look up, folks. Look what's going on. Their signs are there. And God's warning us, your time's coming. You better get ready. If you're not saved, you better get saved. If you are saved, if you're going to do something for Christ, folks, you better get with the program because you're going to run out of time. And if he comes and you're not, it's done. It's over. You'll get in heaven, but what are you going to have to show for it? What are you doing? What have you done? What are you going to do? We're called to serve. And we're to concentrate on that service, undivided service, singleness of heart, meaning get focused on serving him. And by the way, we have a great reason to do it. Because he said, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. My friend, that's to his glory. I'm reminded of a, of a lady in the scripture who was focused, singleness of mind and heart. She had been married for about uh, seven years. Her husband passed away. She married at a young age because back in those days in Bible times, they did marry younger. They married as a teenager, oftentimes 15, 16, 17, maybe a little younger occasionally. And by the way, in our country, it used to be the same back in the olden days. Now, we don't do that today, and for good reason, but whatever. But she married, and uh, she lived with her husband for seven years, and he died. We're not told how he died. We're not told what happened to him. We are just told she was a widower. From the time she lost her husband, she had served God 84 years in that temple, day and night, day and night faithful, committed, sold out, singleness of heart. And she was promised she would see the Savior when he was born. And she did. Amen? God honors faithfulness, folks. God honors faithfulness, and he calls us to faithfulness. It's required among men that the stewards and a man be found Faithful, it's going to come up at the judgment seat. Faithfulness. But we're to characterize our service. So our serving, how is it to be characterized? What is it to look like? Well, let me give you four verses, four things. I would encourage you to write this down so you can go back and look at them and study them later. The first one you'll find in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. The writer of Hebrews says this, Let us have grace whereby we serve acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. Serving God with reverence and godly fear. Notice what he said, acceptably. That's the kind of service God accepts. That's the kind of service that pleases God. Okay. 
So he's saying, if you're going to serve, you need to serve with reverence and godly fear. In other words, remember who you're serving. It's the God of heaven. It is the creator. It is our maker. Amen. That's who we're serving. Number two, Colossians in our text here, Colossians 3.23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. God said, look, if you're going to serve me, put your heart in it. Amen. Put your heart in it. Serve him with all your heart like you mean it. And give yourself to it. Solomon in Ecclesiastes said, whatever your hand findest to do, do it with all your might. God is not satisfied with haphazard service or serving once in a while or serving when you feel like it. Service is to be continued and continual service and doing it as unto him and not unto men. Number three, he tells us to not be slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's Romans 12, 11. Not slothful, but fervent in spirit. What does that mean, fervent? The idea of that word is to get some fire unto you, amen? Get some liveliness to you. Get with the program. Get some zeal about you. Do you mean this or don't you? Put some fire in you. I think it was Spurgeon who said about preachers, if a preacher gets on fire for God, people will come to watch him burn. Amen? Get on fire. Mean what you're doing. Put your heart into it. God's not happy with haphazard service. He's not happy with half-hearted service. He saved you. Amen? What a glory. What a privilege. Folks, you have been rescued from a burning hell and an eternity in a place called the lake of fire, you better be thankful. You better be thankful. I was sharing with the class this week my experience of being on fire, and I was. I mean literally on fire, and I can show you the results of it. But I was caught on fire lighting charcoal with gasoline. That's not the way to go, amen? That's not the way to go, and I knew that. Now listen, I was a kid, I was 20 years old, but I also knew about the dangers of gasoline. So I was being very, very careful. And I knew what could happen, but I'm gonna tell you something, and if you try this and you get on fire, you just remember what I told you, you can't be too careful with it. The problem with gasoline is not the gasoline liquid. The problem is the fumes. And I could see around that charcoal after I'd put some, I would lean way back and stay away from it. I'd pour it on, and then I'd step back, take a kitchen match and my jeans and throw it over there and whoop, you know. But I noticed the edges of that charcoal was getting white, and I thought, oh, man. But it still wasn't lit yet. So I was being very careful this time. And I was leaning way back. I had an old peach can and had some gas in, not a lot, and I poured that on it, and... The only thing I remember is that whoop. And next thing you knew, I was on fire. And I was trying to get my shirt off. And the only thing I could think was, this can't be happening. Two thoughts. This can't be happening. 
And the second thought I know is from God. Hit the ground and roll. And I hit the ground and roll. My neighbor, her neighbor across the street couldn't get to me. He said, you look like a human torch. The fire was burning over my head. It was burning up to my neck here. It was singeing my hair, but this happened so quickly. I hit the ground and rolled. And I'm going to tell you something, people. You don't want to be burning because in hell, look at the rich man. Abraham, please, please let Lazarus just dip his finger in water and touch my tongue. I am tormented in this flame. Oh, God, help us. Do you want anybody to go to that? If you do, there's something wrong. I don't care who your worst enemy is. Because folks were talking about eternity. They never get out. Never. That ought to set us on fire for Christ. To be telling everybody we could about Jesus. And about how to be saved and know for sure you're on your way to heaven. Amen. Serving God. That's what we're here for. And last of all, with simplicity, diligence, and cheerfulness, Romans chapter 12 and verse 8. We had a friend back in uh, West Virginia. His name was Tom Bell. He was a teacher and a preacher. And I mean, uh, he didn't only teach and preach in church, but he taught in the public school. My wife sat under his teaching for several years. A godly man who loved the Lord. He was a man no matter what was going on in his life or what the circumstances were, and we went to visit him last year. He passed away this year. He was 96. But we went to see him last year, and he was sitting in a wheelchair. As soon as we walked in that living room, his face lit up like a Christmas tree. He was a man who was cheerful. He loved God. He loved living for the Lord. He loved serving the Lord. And no matter where you were at or who you were with, when you talked to Tom Bell, you were in the presence of cheerfulness. And you were in the presence of the Lord Jesus because he meant a lot to him. Tom loved him. My friend, that ought to be the way with all of us. Amen. That should be the way with all of us, that we would be cheerful servants of the Lord, thankful for the privilege and opportunity and serving him with all our heart and the world seeing and say, why do you do that? You're always happy all the time. Don't you ever have any problems? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I have problems. <laughs> Don't you ever get sick? Are you kidding? I'd like to get sick a little less once in a while, amen. <laughs> but we take what the Lord gives us, and you thank him for it. But next, we need to be committed to serve. Committed. There's a word for you. We need to be committed to serve. Joshua stood before that nation after Moses had passed, he led those people into the promised land. And he looks at that crowd. He says, look, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the gods of your fathers and the gods in Egypt? Or are you going to serve the God of heaven? Choose you this day who you're going to serve. My friend, we, it comes down to this. As a child of God, are we going to serve God or not? Or are we going to try to straddle the fence? Are we going to try to do enough to get by? Are we going to give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ or are we not? 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. Folks, it's the reasonable thing to do. When this grabs you and gets a hold of you, the fact of what Jesus Christ did for us, when he went to that cross, when he suffered the torturing and the demeaning and the cruel treatment of, of those religious leaders first and then the Roman soldiers and then to be scourged and then to be nailed to a cross and mocked and ridiculed and made fun of and taunted. If you're the son of God, why don't you come down and save yourself? And one of the thieves said, yeah, save yourself and us too. And the other thief had enough sense to realize, who do you think you're talking to, buddy? And he turns to Jesus, he said, Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Look what he went through, folks. Now I'm going to ask you a question. What are we willing to go through for Jesus Christ and his cause? Torture? Persecution? Death? I don't know what's coming. I don't know what the future holds. It looks mighty dismal. But I know who holds the future. And I know what he's promised. And he said, lo, I am with you, and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So whatever he calls us to go through, he'll give us the grace and his presence to do it. So be faithful and serve him. Get committed to him. It's the reasonable thing to do. And after all, we don't belong to ourselves. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God? You are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and spirit, who is, which is God's. My friend, we don't belong to ourselves. This body doesn't belong to us. It's a purchased possession that one day he's going to resurrect and change it into a glorified body like unto his body. Amen? You don't seem to be too happy about that. <laughs> My friend, that day's coming. We're not talking about mythology here. We're not talking about possibility. We're talking about fact. You say, how do you know that? Because this book tells us. And this is his word. And he has told us what he's going to do. And my friend, it's just a matter of time. I believe we're going to soon be in heaven looking back thinking, boy, <laughs> it sure went fast down on earth, didn't it? Well, you don't have to be in heaven to think that. I'm thinking it right now. Man, alive, where'd my life go? Just seems like we got married yesterday. That was 50 years ago. Time goes by fast, doesn't it? You young people, you're looking ahead. It won't be long, you'll be looking back. It goes quick. Our life is nothing but a shadow. It's nothing but a uh, breath of air. And the Bible says how short it is, how quick it goes by. And what are we going to do for him in the process? And you know what? We're going to continue to serve. Did you know that? Go to Revelation with me i got to wind this up. When am I done, Kayla? When am I supposed to be done? Whenever I'm done. Okay. 
Hope you ain't going to be sorry about your lunch. No, I'll try to move it on quick here. Let's get to Revelation 7 real quick, and I'll pick up the speed here. Revelation 7, and look at verse 15. Revelation 7, verse 15. You see, folks, we're not only going to serve God down here. We're going to serve God forever. Look at Revelation 7, 15, and look what the Scripture says. Revelation 7, verse 15. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him when? Day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. <laughs> We're going to serve him day and night. Let's go on. Let's go over to Revelation chapter uh, 22 and verse 3. Revelation 22 and verse 3. Right to the end of the book. Right to the end of the Bible. Look at verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, that holy city, and his servants shall serve him. We're created to serve. Today we serve under opposition and hardships, afflictions, and Paul calls them light afflictions. But the day's coming when there'll be no opposition. There'll be no conflicts. There'll be no afflictions. And we will serve God joyfully, cheerfully, and with all our heart, thankful to be in heaven with our God. Amen? We will continue to serve. Now, very quickly, what's the consequence of serving? Well, let's look at a couple here real quick. John 12, 26. John chapter 12, verse 26. I love this one. Look at what Jesus said. John 12 Verse 26, the consequence of serving God. Verse 26, if any, man, if any man serve me, Jesus said, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father do what? Honor. Him will my Father honor. Oh, listen, folks. You're going to have to stand there someday. If you've been a serving, you've been serving God faithfully, doing what he left you here to do, using that gift God gave you, the Father's going to honor you in the presence of all. That's going to be sobering. But look at Colossians 3, back to our text again. Colossians 3, verse 24. Colossians chapter 3, back to our text where we started. In verse 24, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. The reward. You see, folks, there's going to be reward for serving him. We have an inheritance to receive when we get there. What a day that's going to be. Man, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Get your heart and your eyes off this world and the things of this world. He's going to incinerate them. There'll be nothing left when he's done. He's going to end this world in fire, not a flood. And he's going to incinerate man has ever done or ever had. But what you're getting when you get to heaven is forever, eternal. 
And Jesus said, get your eyes off the temporal and get them on the eternal. Look up. Set your affection on things above. Seek those things are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Get your focus where it belongs. Get your attention where it belongs. Get your service where it belongs. Get ready, folks. Get ready. I'm not an alarmist. I'm not a prophet. But I'm telling you, it looks like. It could be any day. As Pastor Van said this last week to the students, you know, it could be a possibility of just eight years we'd be in the millennium. Tribulation goes seven years. The Lord comes back. We're out of here. But we'll be back in seven years. And we'll be down here reigning with him in the millennium, the millennial kingdom. Folks, this is reality. This is truth. This is what the Bible tells us. What are we waiting on? What are we holding back on? Why don't we give ourselves to it and enjoy it? Amen. I tell you, I'm, I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> so, somebody says, I thought you were retired. I'm not retired. I'm a retread. <laughs> I'm not quitting until I can't do it anymore. And I thank God for the opportunities he's given us. Never thought we'd be doing the things we're doing. I loved it when I pastored this church. But God called me out of this. And you have a good pastor. You have a, a man who's doing a great job. Get behind him and support him. And serve the Lord here in this church. And let's keep going. till the Lord comes or he takes us out in death. And my friend, oh, listen. Can I share with you something? We have a lot to look forward to, the inheritance. But do you know God has promised us all these blessings down here? He said, there's no man that has given up father, mother, brothers, sisters, houses, lands, children. But what he will not have, brothers, sisters, children, houses, lands, with persecutions in this present time. God blesses your service, folks. God blesses. He allows you to have to enjoy all things freely. But keep your focus off of that. And keep it where it belongs. And serve him. And get ready for the day when you're going to meet him. And hopefully hear from his lips. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. Faithfulness. Where are you at in all this, Christian? First of all, are you saved, folks? Do you know Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you 100% sure if you drop dead right now, you'll be in the kingdom? You'll be in heaven with Jesus. If you're not, please, don't be gambling with your soul. Make sure. And all you have to do is say, oh, God, forgive me of my sin. Please forgive me. And come into my life and heart and be my Savior. I trust you right now. Lord, please, save me. And he said, whosoever shall call shall be saved. Now, Christian, you know you're saved, but are you surrendered? Surrender. Not partial, no reservation, fully surrendered. Lord, here I am, whatever you want. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to be, here I am. I'm yours. Well, you're yours, whether it is, whether you acknowledge that or not, you're his.
but he wants you to come to the realization of that truth and make that presentation and then daily yield yourself to him every day. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Would you please fill me with your spirit? Would you get, direct my thoughts, my words, my steps, and my actions and help me to do what's pleasing in your sight? God, help me today to serve you and live for you. Amen? Amen. Folks, it's daily. And today could be the last. We don't know. So you do it daily every day and live for him. So where are you at in all of this? My friend, listen, if you're holding back on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're not really giving yourself to serving him, you need to get on your knees before God and say, oh, God, please forgive me. Your reasonable service because of what he's done for us, how can we not give ourselves to him and live for him and serve him until he takes us out or he comes to get us? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your salvation, and thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And for the Holy Spirit of God you've sent down to live within us, to enable us, to empower us, to gift us, and to use us. And the fact that the Lord Jesus himself is with us and wants to work through us. As Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. God, help me. Forgive me where I have failed you, Lord. Forgive me where I have not really been focused and serious like I should. Help me, O oh God, from this day forward to continue to work, to serve, and to be faithful. And help these folks in this church, Lord, that commit themselves, surrender themselves completely, and give their lives to you, Lord, and live for you and tell others about you that they might be saved as well. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, would you work in their hearts, help them to see, and help them to receive the Lord as their Savior. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.